the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. You can also find their new book, Glad You Asked, answers to 12 tough questions about Christmas that you need answers for at that website, r4h.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. We're going to discuss Christian education from a biblical worldview today on the broadcast. You'll want to stay tuned for that, and you'll want to reach out to me as well to share your thoughts or comments, questions about the broadcast. This is a listener-supported Christian radio ministry, and so I'd love to hear from you with your expression of support as well. You can email the Radio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. The Plum Line Radio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm excited to be joined by Jameson Coppola, who is the Government Relations Director for American Association of Christian Schools. We're going to learn a little bit about the organization and discuss the value of a Christian education from a biblical worldview on The Plum Line today. Welcome to the broadcast, Jameson. Great to be with you, Jay. Happy to have a conversation about Christian ed and, and the work of our schools. Well, you were another of a few guests that I've had that had the opportunity to speak at an event where Carl Kirby, who is the leader of my national ministry sponsor, Reasons for Hope, uh, where he was speaking as well. And so Mm -hmm. i got to tribute Carl here. He's helping me connect with all kinds of great guests, and so I'm looking forward to uh, another one here. And maybe we could uh, just share a little bit about, so obviously you do uh, a lot of speaking. Is that kind of a big part of your role with the American Association of Christian Schools? It's become a big role with them. We represent their interests in Washington, D.C., and sometimes that leads to opportunities to share with people about the work that our schools and our association does. And then we also, uh, one of the main purposes of our organization is uh, enrichment for our schools. And so I get the opportunity to go out in the fall when we have our, our big statewide teachers conventions and speak to teachers about 
um, issues within Christian education, give them some encouragement, hopefully talk to them about my experience in Christian education in a way that edifies and helps them. And that is where I met Carl, as you mentioned, had a great conversation with him at one of our teachers' conventions this fall. Oh, fantastic. And so just go into a little bit more detail then about what American Association of Christian Schools is designed for your mission, what you offer to Christian schools. Yeah, we're an association comprised of state associations. And so one of the unique things about our founding was there were already state associations of Christian schools that had banded together to encourage each other, to help each other in the work of the Ministry of Christian Education. And then a group of the men in the leadership of those state associations said, you know what, a lot of the decision-making that impacts education is heading to the federal level, to the federal government. And this would have been the late 60s, early 70s. And so they said, we should probably bind together. We should probably create an association that will help us do things nationally together and for the advancement and improvement of Christian education. And so we do things as a national association like school accreditation, teacher certification. Uh, We have some benefits programs that help teachers save for retirement, et cetera, et cetera. And then the office that I'm part of is in Washington, D.C., and our role is advocacy for Christian education. You know, so much of our mentality today in our society looks to government for solutions. (laughs) Well, one of our roles is to say, okay, government, listen, we got Christian education handled here. We need little of your help in how to do it. And so our goal is really as a gatekeeper to make sure that what happens at the federal level does not infringe upon our religious liberties or our academic freedom. Mm. So it sounds like some of your days are occupied with lobbying, and I was going to say lobbying for good legislation, but it's more likely uh, lobbying for no legislation. Just leave us alone, right? (laughs) I get to say no a lot. Yeah, I like that. And so, yeah, it does seem as though, especially in regards to education, when our government gets its hand, well, you know, honestly, as I said that, it's not just education, it's a lot more things that when our government gets our hands on them, they seem to get worse, unfortunately, rather than better, sadly. Isn't that the case here? Yeah, we're losing the distinction between public and private. And, you know, the work that we do in D.C., oftentimes you come across people that can't understand that the average citizen knows how to do what he's engaged in. And government has a tendency to want to overreach and to think that nothing important can be done without their say-so or without their opinion or regulations or, or someone overseeing it. And so one of the things that's just a challenge broadly, not just with Christian education, but broadly is we're losing the distinction between public and private. There's not many things that citizens or institutions or organizations, even churches can do without government trying to have some sort of control or oversight. Yeah. Well, and we're going to dive more deeply into some facets of that as the broadcast moves along here. But I want to kind of set the stage before we get to that by talking about education in general. And I start almost every broadcast that I do with Christian school administrators, and I do a few of those with this same kind of discussion here. And I think it's important because education, to my understanding, is really the parent's responsibility. And what I always say in regards to that, and I always refer to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we can look at some verses there in a moment here, but to say that 
So my understanding from the scriptures, the parents are the ones who are to oversee. It does not say that they can't dictate the teaching of math and English and science and social studies and all those things to some other branch, some other school or whatever it may be. But ultimately, that still means the parents aren't giving over their responsibility to make sure it gets done. They're just passing on the actual education and then they're staying on top of it. Is that a proper understanding? That would be my understanding. I I think scripture clearly teaches, you know, it's the parent's responsibility. The verse escapes my mind right now, but I think it's Paul saying, you know, when you are under the instruction of tutors, right? Well, so in in ancient times, we know they didn't have the schoolhouse. They didn't have the one-room schoolhouse that we're familiar with maybe in American history. But there was this idea that parents have the responsibility. Sometimes that was given to a tutor or some other person that had knowledge or skill in specifically educating, but it was always under the parents' instruction. It was always because the parents ultimately are their children's first educators. So I'd say scripturally and then naturally, you know, there's a certain natural element to the fact that just tells us when a man and woman come together in marriage and create a new life, They're responsible for that life. And so I think there's a a lot of levels in which we can understand it's the parent's primary responsibility to educate their children. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4 through verse 9 here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, some have kind of questioned me or asked me in the past, aren't you extrapolating quite a bit there? It sounds like this is talking about maybe the Ten Commandments or God's words here, not English and science and things like that. But uh, maybe you can explain that a little bit. Are we talking about education in general when we read this? Yeah, all education teaches, you know, ultimate truths principles, if you will. And so I would think it's a narrowing of the implication of that verse that is not justified by Scripture, right? So, you know, one of the struggles we're having in today's society right now is that we're discovering no education can be values neutral. (laughs) And so, you know, to say that that verse, you know, should just be viewed in an Old Testament context or just related to the law I think is a misunderstanding of the fact that there's no education without the principles that underlie. In fact, we used to call education, used to have the idea of virtue development. In other words, not just teaching kids what they were supposed to do in life, but who they were supposed to be, how they were supposed to become in very real terms, what life or God in a Christian sense required of them, what they were created to be. And so I would agree with you. I think I hold your position. Parents are their children's first educators. And I think even those in secular society are coming to try to reclaim that. We've seen that be kind of a societal-wide focus in the last two or three years. Yeah, that is a really good point you bring up that we need to stress. That that isn't just saying that for Christian 
parents either. All parents are to be responsible for their children's education. And honestly, we see, you know, especially in the homeschooling movement, I, I we homeschool most of our children, and there we see more secular type groups springing up in that homeschool environment where the, you know, the secular parents are realizing that too, that they should be in charge of their children's education. And I won't keep going down that road, but I'm glad you, you brought up that point that this is for all parents to be in charge. And with that in mind, we can bring up probably the most familiar or famous of verses on this subject, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And the second half of that becomes a very interesting discussion that unless you want to get into it, I won't go there. (laughs) You're welcome to comment if you want, but I want to focus on the first half, the training up the child in the way he should go, because there it is again. That is, to me, when you look at what is being written there in Proverbs 22, 6, and this is clearly to the parent, not to the government, not to, you know, any other adult or individual. It is to the parent. This is being said. Yeah, again, I would agree with you. And we often say in our work that it is the parent's responsibility to do that. And so that's one of the messages that we communicate to regulators and bureaucrats and legislators quite often. We say, hey, listen, don't forget that parents have the most interest in their children. They have the most knowledge about their children. And they have the most desire to see their children improve their lives, to grow fully into who they're supposed to be. And so you can't take that responsibility away from parents and have the outcome be successful. You know, we talked a little bit about the fact that parents are re-engaging in this idea. I can't remember, but it's something like 800 school board positions have changed in the last two or three years Mm. as a direct result of parents seeing what was happening during COVID when their students went online and were having to access school materials by way of a computer. You know, the parent just around the house would overhear instruction or would see what was happening in the classroom. And they say, oh, my goodness, I've lost touch with what was happening with the training up of my children at my school. And it's caused a massive societal reaction for moms and dads to become re-engaged with the process of educating their children. Uh, It also caused a huge shift into homeschooling, as you mentioned, new types of homeschooling, pod schooling, but also shifts into Christian schools as well and other private schools. We saw a massive realignment in education services themselves after COVID because parents decided to, again, take back responsibility for what their children were learning. Yeah, and with the gender identity aspect combined mm-hmm. with that, led to even a change in governor in the state of Virginia, didn't it? For the most part, anyway, that was responsible. I think it was a huge part of it. If you followed that political campaign at all, the messaging that was coming out of the other candidate for office, a man named Terry McAuliffe, was stunning to anybody who understands the role parents have. I mean, he boldly proclaimed, listen, parents aren't wise enough. They're not smart enough. He he was very demeaning towards parents up until the night before the election, (laughs) along with a a very well-known public school teachers union president, made demeaning statements towards parents not knowing enough about educating their children. And I really do think that that swung the election to our current governor. Mm, Yeah. 
Well, let's go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, I want to get into how then a Christian school stands alongside of, partners with, the parents who have this ultimate responsibility to help them, basically. And we'll spend uh, the good portion here, probably the whole next segment, discussing that matter with my guest, Jameson Coppola. And again, Jameson is the Government Relations Director for American Association of Christian Schools here with me on the Plum Line. I appreciate you tuning in, and if you would like to reach out and share your thoughts, comments about the broadcast, maybe you have a question you'd like to pass along, you can do that via email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Remind you, as always, Plum has a B at the end of it, P-L-U-M-B, so it's theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Batt at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plum Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, Jamison Coppola, my guest, Government Relations Director for American Association of Christian Schools. Maybe just flip down the radio here and realize that you missed the first portion of this. You can find it as well as any other broadcast of The Plum Line at places where you go for podcasts. After the show airs on the radio, it goes up in podcast form. And so you can go to Spotify, for example, just put in The Plum Line with Jay Rudolph, and you'll be able to find this show and all the others, 250-some or so up there uh, at Spotify and other places where you go for podcasts. Well, Jameson, as I mentioned, as we went to the break here, I want to spend some time now talking about uh, after we've kind of you know set the stage that it's the parents' ultimate responsibility to oversee the education, but they can certainly you know dictate the actual teaching to a teacher. I definitely don't claim that everyone should homeschool, and so a lot of parents, the vast majority of parents, choose to send their children to public schools, and then there are a nice uh, chunk of parents who send their kids to private or Christian schools, and and a lot of others who homeschool. And so all those different options and many others that I'm not mentioning are out there for education. But I I want to focus specifically on the Christian schools that you work with. How do they then accomplish this goal of not being the primary or the ones that are 
acting like they're in charge, just like you talked about with the gubernatorial candidate there in Virginia who acted like, oh, the public schools are the ones, you know, the parents don't have any involvement. So how does a Christian school incorporate the reality that the parents have the ultimate oversight, but yet Christian school has great value? I think that can be a challenge. Like what we've seen in the public school where uh, public educators feel like they know more than the parents or they have certain certifications or certain training that maybe gives them the sense that they're more qualified to educate. I think that's a danger. It's a temptation for Christian educators, too. But a, a Christian school that's operating rightly will check and balance that against what the parents are asking for. So I always say when you're looking at a Christian school, look for a Christian school that is building community. When I was a school administrator in Colorado, that was a constant challenge. I I found that because we've moved away from what good education looks like, we've had a couple generations of even parents of young children that maybe don't have that grandma or grandpa or mom and dad close by kind of helping them say, hey, this is what's normal for child rearing. This is behavior that you have to correct or else it's going to be difficult. They, they, they lost some of the community of family that used to help us raise our children. And now they're trying to substitute maybe a, a Christian school to be that community. Well, the Christian school has to be careful to not only help train up children, but to also help bring the parents along. And so I found as a school administrator that I spent a lot of my time just talking with parents. I think that Christian schools that are part of a church are a great option because you kind of get that family surrounded by a pastor, by other mature adults. You kind of have the span of ages and stages of life in a church building that can help that parent in the normal tasks of parenting without taking the responsibility away from them, right? And so as educators, we ought to be professional educators. We ought to know how to teach children how to read and write and do arithmetic and all the basics, but that ought to happen with um, partnership and true partnership with a family that is seeking the same end goal, and that is a child that is virtuous, that's well-trained to be what God has created him to be, that understands the fundamentals of what life is about and can capably achieve those. So I would say community is the, <laughs> give a long answer, but community is the key to making sure we don't become like the public educators and set becoming something that separates children from their parents, but surrounds the whole family with what it looks like to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, that's excellent. And I'm looking for even longer than that, because I'm going to ask you something that's going to lead right off from that here, in that uh, I was just thinking as I was sitting here, a big part of the Plumb Line's role is to uh, instruct and help people understand these you know, topics and issues we talk about from a biblical worldview. And I have a sense that there are a lot of parents that don't understand that they are ultimately and primarily responsible for the education of their children. And as you said, there are some Christian schools that don't recognize that they are to come alongside and be an assistant or an aide to the the parents who have that ultimate responsibility. And so the question, I guess, is this. I don't know if you've maybe seen any good examples of this, of a school that prior to the school year, maybe they hold a a session where they invite the parents in and they kind of sit down and say, here, this is what we see as a biblical worldview of education and, you know, kind of help the parents understand and maybe have a newsletter that goes out with an article about this, because I don't see a lot of education to help help you know, both sides of the equation understand the biblical worldview on this? Yeah, I have seen that evidence really in multiple schools. I discovered this as a school administrator that a lot of parents 
wanted what they saw the outcome of a good Christian education was, right? So they'd see graduates and them being uh, fruitful citizens and members of the church. And so they would enroll their kids saying, I I want that outcome. But then they would question every step of the way (laughs) of the process that we would go through in order to achieve that. And so what we did is we did a few things. We did exactly what you mentioned. We would hold seminars at the start of the school where the pastor and the youth pastor would come in and, you know, the pastor would do like a biblical view of, of child rearing, of parenting. Uh, the youth pastor would do things like social trends and cautions about social media and internet. Then I would come with kind of our philosophy of education, our worldview, what we were trying to accomplish. And we would make clear that we want to partner with the parents underneath the paradigm that we were advancing. We had a handbook, but we started to realize the handbook was kind of the skeleton of our organization, but that had to be covered with, pardon the illustration, but flesh and blood. And so we wrote a culture document. So this is what we're trying to produce. It's not just the hard, cold rules. That kind of keeps us all aware of where the boundaries are. But, you know, we want kids to be loved. We want kids to be welcomed at school. So we're going to greet them in the morning and a te- by, by a teacher, and the teacher's going to um, make the student feel welcome at school and going to illustrate the transferring of the authority of the parent to the school. And, and so we wrote this culture document that explained and fleshed out, if you will, kind of the community we were trying to create. And I've seen multiple schools doing that where they're working very hard to bring the parents along, uh, bring them into community with the church or with the Christian school so that they all agree that what they're pursuing together and how they're pursuing it together is virtuous, is helpful, is uh, for the purpose of building up students and giving a living illustration of the principles we're trying to teach them. Well, that's fantastic. I I hope there are some uh, school administrators that are tuned in here and that they would consider this if they're not already doing that, because I think that would have great value, Mm -hmm. because I I know I see that in my line of work doing the plumb line here, and I'm sure you do too, that there's just a a lack of understanding. In fact, that's kind of what set the plumb line off is just the statistics that said, uh, well, anywhere from 4 to maybe like 7%, I think, at the highest of those Mm -hmm. who say they're Christians actually hold a biblical worldview and uh, pretty depressing. Mm -hmm statistics, but they they led to shows like The Plumb Line and lots of others out there, too. So I, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I appreciate uh, what you had to share about that. I think we're going to have to, I had another thing that I was going to follow up with, but I think we're going to have to wrap up this edition, and we'll, I'll get to that and some other things here as we have a second uh, show with my guest here, Jameson Coppola. Again, Jameson is the Government Relations Director for American Association of Christian Schools. I guess I do have time for one quick thing, and that is for a a website here. I don't have it in front of me. What's the website people can go to to find out more. We are at aacs.org. Pretty easy. aacs.org is our website. Lots of useful resources there to connect with our association. All right. Well, those of you in the listening family, check that out, aacs.org, and come back next time when I will continue my visit with Jameson Coppola. We discuss Christian education from a biblical worldview on the plumb line. Email address where you can reach me is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.